It's cold. It's rainy. Sometimes. It gets dark at 5 p.m. Some might say it's the perfect time for reading. That's right. The KVMR News Team is back with a cozy winter edition of What You're Reading. And we tapped a very special Nevada County Library employee to help make sure your winter reading is as cozy and magical as possible. We've got Emily, the youth librarian at the Grass Valley Library Branch here. If you've ever journeyed down the twisting stairs at the downtown GV Library, you may have seen and spoken to Emily. Okay, enough chit-chat from a non-library professional. Let's hear from the experts. The program's called What You're Reading. So what has youth librarian Emily been reading? I really love Ann Patchett, and she did not disappoint with her last book, Tom Lake. It's a very quiet book. It's like a story within a story set during the pandemic. The main character is a woman who works and lives on a cherry farm in Michigan, and her adult kids come back to live with her during the pandemic, and they want to hear the story of how she met and worked with and dated this very famous actor. So she tells the story about that. So it's the story within a story, and there's all these layers, and it's really it just captivated me the entire time. I also really liked Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. I am hesitant to tell anybody what that book is about because no one told me what it was about. And I think if they had, I might not have read it because it's not a subject that I find myself drawn to. But I loved it. It was so good. It's about, and I'll just say a few words. I don't want to give any spoilers. But it is about two kids who meet at a young age and then become, you know, stay with each other through adulthood as friends. And they also become collaborators on a video game. It's something they love to do as kids. And then they become video game programmers, which is where I was. I would have been tuned out if someone had said that. I'm like, "Ah, I don't think so. But it is such a beautiful book. And the way she writes it is so good. Like, just so so interesting. And she really trusts her reader to to get what she's doing. She jumps around in time, but you're totally with her the whole time. And it's wonderful. And I also really loved The Sentence by Louise Erdrich. I'm a little late to that party. The Sentence is actually available on Hoopla, which is a digital library resource. We've talked about Hoopla before on what you're reading, but for a brief recap, you download it on your phone, tablet, or computer, and it gives you instant access to certain audiobooks and ebooks. So you can listen to or read titles available on Hoopla immediately. You just need a library card. And everyone we've spoken to on what you're reading has been very encouraging about asking a library employee if you have any questions about these digital resources. In fact, I believe Madeline Helling's adult services and program technician, Cameron Reese, previously said, Stop by any branch of the Nevada County Library, swing by the desk, and just yell hoopla in the general direction of of the nearest person with a name tag, and we've totally got you covered. And the sentence is actually read by its author, Louise Erdrich. It was sent to me with a note. This is the book I would take to a deserted island. The first word I looked up was the word... Sentence. She has such a great reading voice, so that I was fun to listen to. An and that's also set sentence. during the pandemic, actually. And it's a little meta fiction because it's about a Native woman in Minnesota, Minneapolis, working in a bookstore, which Louise Erdrich has a bookstore in Minneapolis. And there's even the bookstore owner character who doesn't appear very often, but her name is Louise. And it's about this, her one of the workers there, and uh, she becomes haunted by a ghost in the bookstore. But it's also set during the pandemic. So they have to like kind of 
redesign what it's like to run a bookstore. And then also that summer after the pandemic begins, the George Floyd protests occur. And that all happens in the book as well. And all that outrage. It's a really powerful book. Yeah, the ending really got me. It was beautiful. I won't give it away. <laughs> That's what you've been reading. But what's on your to-be-read list as we enter the winter months? I'm probably a little bit behind, actually, in some folks who've already read a lot of these, but I'm anxiously awaiting my copy of The Heaven and Earth Grocery Store by James McBride. And I also am excited to read Ann Patchett's new book of essays, These Precious Days, and get around to another book of essays by Jesse Klein called I'll Show Myself Out, Essays on Midlife and Motherhood. And then behind a lot of people, I'm sure, <laughs> I have my copy of Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yaros on my nightstand. Fourth Wing. People have a lot of opinions about this book, to put it mildly. So the online book community is currently experiencing the rise of what I would argue is the most instantly popular new fantasy release of the past few years. So there's this one book that like so many of you guys have been asking me to talk about, have been asking me to read. It's a book that has been taking over the internet by storm in a manner that I haven't seen in years. Like I'm actually flabbergasted by just the absolute hype. Fourth Wing by Rebecca Yarrows. I am low-key scared. Y'all, the Fourth Wing hype has yet to slow down. Fourth Wing? Fourth Wing. Fourth Wing? Fourth Wing? Is there ever a feeling among library professionals of, oh god, fourth wing, not another book talk craze? Or are you all about it? I, I think it definitely depends on the person. But yeah, I see, you know, I mean, part of it as a library professional is you see all like all the copies of Demon Copperhead going out and you're like, what is this all about? And you want to know and you feel like it's your duty to know also. So for me, I get on board with that and I, I will read the more popular titles. What does being a youth librarian look like? I was thinking about that just the other day because I've been in my position now for about two years and I feel like it takes about a year to start getting to know a community and you see a lot of the same faces. And I do think a big part of being a youth librarian is getting to know the community that is coming in and then finding out what they like and then creating opportunities to come together in ways that are unique to libraries probably. And it's all about building community. Like we, I run a pretty popular program called Stay and Play. It's for zero to five-year-olds. So a lot of, you know, these kids aren't reading yet, but they're getting the basics and the building blocks of, you know, reading what we call early literacy by playing together for an hour. And then we do a story time. So we're incorporating songs and stories then. But I've seen that community grow and friendships come out of it among kids and caregivers, and it's really wonderful. And I, I feel really honored and excited that I get to be the person who organizes that and creates that space. I also feel like another big part of being a youth services librarian is creating a healthy and balanced collection of books, like making sure all the favorites are there and the bestsellers are there, but also making sure to include the new voices and make space for voices that aren't often heard. Yeah. I'm pretty passionate about that last one. I love collection building. Where do you even start when building a library collection or a youth services library collection in your case? Well, in our county, we have three children's librarians who do the purchasing for the children's collection. And we have what's called a, sh a floating collection. So we share all the materials. So if there's something up in Truckee that you want, it can come back down here. And then wherever it's checked in or returned is where it sits on the shelf. So 
with the three of us buying for a collection like that, it can be a little tricky because it's like hard to know what condition is that series in? Is it missing one? Did it get, you know, did someone drop number two in the tub and we had to withdraw it and we need to replace it? So we're always trying to finesse that system and like make sure that those that the series are being, you know, rebuilt if one is lost. So that's that's one place, like a, a place of maintenance that you can think about it, building a collection. Um, but if you were to start from scratch, there are definite titles that you would need to have. And I'm thinking the ones that always turn up on kids' book lists during the school year, like Charlotte's Web or, you know, one of the Roald Dahl books. Things that if you didn't have, it would just feel weird, you know. <laughs> and then you would want, when purchasing new books... You know, there's tons and tons of books being published all the time, and it's just not possible to buy them all. So we definitely look at, like, Publishers Weekly and the Barnes & Noble lists, like, what they're looking – what's the best sellers there. But then you also, you know, want to keep in mind what does your community want? Like, what kind of books do they like? And then thinking about all the different voices that are out there and making sure that everybody's being represented because we're a public library and we represent everybody. What is and what is not appropriate for kids to be reading seems to be a hot-button issue sparking a lot of debate around censorship in the U.S. right now. Do Nevada County residents come into the kids' section often to voice their opinion on why certain titles should or should not be allowed in the public library? Yeah, of course. You know, and that is something happening right now. And, you know, at the library, we don't talk politics with our patrons. We're really, you know, we are public servants. But when folks demand a response, which often they do, we refer them to what we call our reconsideration form, just on our website. And they can fill out that form and it goes to a committee and we talk about it and um, we decide whether to withdraw the book or not. But in general, if folks demand a response rate, then what I tell them is that we're a public library. So we represent the taxpayer and all of their money. And if we didn't have a certain book on our shelves, then that person who was, didn't feel represented would be like, hey, you don't have that book on your shelf. <laughs> so it, it's pretty much impossible to please everybody. But we're a public library. We represent the community. And the community is diverse. That's what we're here for. We're not forcing you to read. And in fact, we encourage you to read with your kids and, and really look through the books with them and you can decide as a family what works for you and what doesn't. It's definitely getting chilly out there. We've had some rainy days recently. It's kind of the perfect setting for reading right now. Does the library have any programs around the corner geared towards winter reading? Yeah. So starting December 16th, we are going to be um, running our winter reading challenge. And that's for kids and adults. I'll speak to the kids side of things. So between December 16th and January 20th, kids can either go paperless and sign up through Beanstack or come into the library and get a paper bingo card. And it has all different challenges on it. And if they get a bingo, they can bring it back and get a free book. And if they get a blackout, like they do all the activities on the bingo card, they can get two books. Bingo, but make it winter reading edition. What are some examples of bingo reading squares? So we tried to make it not just about reading. You know, there's obviously like read a book with a winter cover on it or a snowy cover on it. But there's also, you know, baked cookies, which a lot of people don't realize that's got a lot of pre-literacy, early literacy stuff going on there with mixing and measuring and all the different vocabulary that you use. Take a walk, look at the starry sky, things like that. 
just to try and get kids out and moving and doing something exciting. Um, and there's lots of events associated with that. Um, on the 16th from 10 to 3 at Grass Valley, we'll be doing our all-ages craft extravaganza, where um, we'll just have all sorts of different crafts for all ages while supplies last. And then we'll finish with a puppet show at the Madeline Helling Library in Nevada City on January 20th. And in between there, there'll be all sorts of different events happening at all the libraries. And there'll be a QR code, and it'll be on our website so you can find out what all the other events are. Now that it's December, some people are spending more time indoors. Some people are traveling long distances for the holidays and need something to do on planes or car rides. Do you have any quintessential winter reads you'd recommend? Yeah, I feel like when you have some time off, and not everyone does, obviously, but for kids, like if you have some time off, it's really nice to just get like lost in a world. So books that are really good at world building, that kind of escapism where you're like, oh my gosh, three hours has gone by, I think are really great. So I tend towards recommending fantasy for that with good world building. I really enjoyed the Septimus Heap series by Angie Sage and the Inkheart series by Cornelia Funke. And I feel like if you like the Harry Potter series, you will like both of those that I just mentioned. So yeah, just some escapist get your cookie, get your hot chocolate and read for a few hours kind of book. Are there certain themes you've noticed are particularly popular these days in children's literature? In my opinion, I feel like I don't think that they're new. But I, what I think that's what's new about them is that they're being told by voices we haven't heard from historically. So, you know, themes of fairness and equality, themes of kindness and courage to be kind themes of belonging and identity and acceptance and being yourself. These are all themes that I feel like you can find throughout the canon of kids' literature, but more and more we're hearing from, from folks whose voices haven't been represented and how they feel looking at those stories through their lens, which is really powerful. And that is definitely a trend I see in publishing, which is awesome, finally, right? Let's end on a classic whatcha reading note. As a library professional, what are your favorite books to read during this time of year? I like reading Ann Patchett's books a lot. There are always families in them, and I find families infinitely fascinating. <laughs> and I think she must too. And the challenges therein and being honest and authentic with each other. And I feel like that's something that, you know, you have to face when you go home for the holidays maybe and spend time with folks that you maybe haven't chosen to be part of your life, but are a part of your life because, yeah, you're related to them or grew up with them. So reading her books, I, th I think, remind me of that. And that's a good place to show up, I think. Try and be your authentic self. Thank you for joining us and sharing your literary wisdom, Emily. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. It was fun. I'm Kelly Reese for KVMR News. 